Lauren Blackwood is a Jamaican-American living in Virginia who writes romance-heavy fantasy for most ages. When not writing, she's a musician and a tiramisu connoisseur. She's the New York Times bestselling author of Within These Wicked Walls and Wild Blood. Wow, you should do audiobook. I think she's a fantastic voice. So, yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. You do one of those books where it's like they're telling you, believe in yourself. You are your best you. And you listen to that <laughs> while you're sleeping, you know. Those, that like, should be my backup plan. If, <laughs> if my books don't sell one day, <laughs> that'll be my backup. I think you should do both. Your books are definitely going to sell, but oh, you also totally you do, do have a lovely yeah. voice. <laughs> yeah, you can have a side gig. <laughs> so thank you so much for joining us today. We're so excited to talk to you. I For years, I've been like, Oh my God. As soon as I saw Within These Wicked Walls when it came out, I was like, this book. And then I started reading it and ah, <laughs> my mind. <laughs> Thank you. So it's it's been called Magical Ethiopian Inspired Remakes of um, Jane Eyre. And that to me is already kind of talk about high concept talks. That's really something that pulls me right in from the start. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what inspired you to weave those threads of all of those elements of inspiration together? Um, well, I've always loved fantasy and folklore. On my downtime, I would, during college and stuff like that, I would just like Google folklore for some reason. Like that was my fun thing. If I was going down a rabbit hole, it was going to be fol folklore related. I came across this folklore. It was like a, in a scholarly journal though, but luckily I was in college. So, you know, you can, you can get that stuff for free. It was two separate things. So I came across a journal about um, Ethiopian folklore um and mostly the belief in the evil eye that they have over there and then I also love watching period movies and so an unrelated time period I was watching Jane Eyre and it just occurred to me that this house should be haunted right like it's technically not but it should literally be haunted so totally those ideas kind of like meshed together and I'm like this is going to be perfect and it is perfect right your debut has done so well um like what was that like for you just to I feel like you immediately got some great traction um you know what I mean and obviously like you have a beautiful cover everything is beautiful <laughs> oh my gosh yeah it still blows my mind like I don't know how it happened like God's favor that's how it happened so I did not expect the hype it got I knew it was good because I was like when I was querying I'm like oh yeah this is gonna be the one I mean I feel like we all think it's gonna be the one when we're writing a certain book but I was like this is just within the type of marketing and stuff that people like that I'm like okay this is me but also marketable more marketable than my other ones so I'm like this has got to be it um so it was it was nice that that was it gosh yeah it was crazy having Reese Witherspoon pick it up for her book club and now she doesn't you do young adult books anymore so I got in like under the wire that was nice and then Britney <laughs> Spears ended up posting about it online wait what yes I didn't know so Britney was like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Reese sent her a book and she was, she posted about it on Instagram. Someone DM'd me. They're like, have you seen that Britney's posting about your book? And I'm like, what? Uh, like I was crying. I had to <laughs> like leave the store I was in because I was like crying so much. I'm like, this is crazy. That is wild. <laughs> That's yeah, amazing. So it was 
pretty like you always hope it's going to be well received and like I always wanted to be published and publishing was the ultimate goal but it's like when you get to have all these other wonderful things it's just like the cherry on top it's just amazing like I could not have imagined it more amazing it did hit the list the first week too which was mind-blowing and I was riding my bike I know I'm going on a tangent but I was riding my bike and like I got a phone call good thing my ringer was on and it was my editor and like she had this uh group phone call on with my agent and everything and they're like hey you hit the list and I'm like what I'm like now I gotta ride my bike back like I'm far from home I gotta ride back home now and it was crazy <laughs> they should have so carriage I, I, I was so afraid that story was going to end in a crash like you answered the phone and you were cycling and like... oh no uh, man it, it could have it could have I was like ah! you know? <laughs> I love that that's an incredible story and we love I mean I, I don't know like I, I mean I'm gonna speak for Gabby too we <laughs> we love hearing about people's publishing journeys and you know getting those special moments and what that was like although I will say no one to date has had a Britney Spears moment so this is like this is definitely a first here you <laughs> know like I, I it was still feels crazy you know still feels crazy the story I don't think it's ever gonna get old like I could tell that story for like 10 years and people will be like oh my gosh like I think <laughs> after 10 years it might be like guys that happened 10 years ago like you know just I don't, I don't, more, I don't but... think I'd give it up up to 10 years just be like what really? things you keep you think in I can milk it for 20 <laughs> yeah forever I think you could <laughs> I love it yeah so I um I grew up in South Africa and my cultural heritage is is quite rich and mixed. And when I write, I kind of draw on um, a lot of superstition and traditions that I grew up with. And so it was really interesting to me, the the take on like the, the Ethiopian inspired aspect of it, because I feel like a lot of um, my heritage is, you know, it's not written down, it's kind of lived through and passed down through like experiential story. Um, and I'm wondering if that was kind of similar for you when you were doing your research, how you went about doing research. I know you mentioned you had the journal and you kind of came across um, some of the information there, but I feel like a lot of African um, cultural stories, they're, they're spoken um, and the traditions are very kind of lived and it makes it very hard to, to reference things in, for me at least. So this is a, this is a very uh, selfish question that I'm asking you because I'm really interested to see what your, what your research pro process is like for that. Oh, no, the, exactly. As you said, it's spoken. And so there was not a whole lot out there. So really my main, um, resources were scholarly journals where people actually were like grabbing the information and like putting it in a paper for you know because like there's not really anything out there in general when you google like there's wikipedia but like what yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then there uh for the ethiopian orthodox church they have a website which was nice because they have a lot of information on there so i used that and scholarly papers so I I mean I feel like I really should have cited my sources at this point like because it was like a research paper practically um but yeah that it was pretty pretty nice because I mean pretty hard because there were not a whole lot of resources but I only had a few resources to pull from so that was nice too because I didn't have to go looking too many places but yeah I definitely took some creative license in some places but I I always want to make sure like especially if it's a culture that's not mine, that I do everything respectfully. So it was like, I really looked up like, what are the customs? What are the food? Of course, you got to put food. And then like, I was 
focusing on like the religious aspects. So I was like, okay, what do they do in Orthodox church? Because I am non-denominational. So that it's a completely different world, you know? So yeah, I research was crazy. And I feel like it took just as long researching as it did like writing a book a little bit it was worth it worth it but you really gotta love what you're writing to do that you know or else it's gonna start feeling like a school project and it's like you know so if you really love it like I love folklore so I'm like this is the cool stuff to research I get that I think it's you know it's interesting because you were talking about and obviously it was the book but I I do feel like when you're writing your book you have to feel in a way like it's the book Right. There ha- I think there has to be a sense of belief in it for it to be successful because then your reader believes it and the people that continue to talk about it believe in it. No, that's true. That's true. And also the research, like you only use what's relevant to your book. And so they have all the information out there, but you can pick and choose what's relevant, you know, so that also was helpful. Can you speak a little bit more about the difference in uh, writing uh, within these wicked walls to uh, Wild Blood? Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> it was crazy. It was crazy different because not just because there are two different folklores and like one, Wild Blood is based on my heritage. So it was a little easier research wise, but just because, you know, within these wicked walls, I had as much time as I wanted to write it. And Honestly, it I felt like it didn't take as it didn't take longer to write than Wild Blood, but it was like a leisurely process. It was no pressure because I was like, I'm writing the best book I can, but it, it's not like anybody's waiting for it. And like, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen. So, you know, I'm just writing this book I really like. And then you start querying agents and it's like you get bulls and you're like, oh, yes, this is awesome. But it's like, you know, until you get that offer, then it's like, oh, this book, you know, it might be the one, it might not be the one. And then you get the offer and it's like awesome. And then you get a book deal and suddenly you are on deadlines. They like if you want your book to come out uh, when they on the date that they pick, you have to have your stuff done by certain dates throughout the year and a half or whatever that you got your book deal so now you're on deadline now your creative brain is sort of like on this like I don't know about you but I at like the added pressure like kind of constricts my creative brain sometimes so I'm like oh gosh because the pressure of it being due so then you get to the second book and first of all my first book did really well So now I'm like thinking, oh, my second book has to do as well, if not better, because then what am I doing with my life? I should not have aimed so high. What am I doing? So now I have to write the second book on a tight deadline with the pressure of, is it going to be as good as the first? Wait a second. And then also stick with my brand, which my brand is right now is sort of a historical fantasy gothic type of thing. Retellings, sort of. Yeah, it was pretty hellish writing book two. (laughs) Like I really had to get out of my head and not focus on the pressure because I feel like a lot of that pressure I was putting on myself. And, you know, I don't know what the publishing industry is thinking, but feel like I was putting words in their mouth. Like I have to do as good as or they won't buy any more books from me. But I feel like I was putting pressure on myself. So um, don't put pressure on yourself. That's one thing. And it'll be a lot easier 
because it did get a lot easier after I was like, you know what, let me just write this book that I really want to write. And um, Victoria is my favorite character I've ever come up with. And people tell me all the time they love her. And I'm like, yes, that's what I wanted from this book anyway. So I accomplished that. It was a lot, though. I'm going to be real. It was a lot. It was stressful. It was hellish. And I feel like, did I describe that well? Like, writing the second book? It, I think it sounds hellish. The only word for it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, like, the main word for it is hellish. You will lose your mind a little bit. And that's okay. Because it happens to everybody. Um, you said that Victoria is your favorite character that you've ever written. Can you say, like, give me, like, three words that describe her? Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's so hard because she's the best. <laughs> um, she's let me the best. Um... <laughs> oh, hey, three words. Yeah, that, let's just do that. Because let me preface this by saying, like, she's sort of a tiny bit based on my high school self like who was very like shy and like not wanting to be in the spotlight at all not wanting to do the leadership positions and stuff and like not wanting to cause trouble that's about where the similarities end let me not give too many spoilers yeah so I was like she was kind of like really dear to my heart for that reason and then also I really wanted to write a character who had features like me in a very Jamaican way so I was like yeah she's the best I love her I love that I love that so it I mean it sounds like this book was hellish but worth it oh yeah I think it was worth it I mean I think my publisher if they didn't like it they would say something you know so they didn't say anything so it must be good (laughs) and a lot of people have loved it right oh yes yes oh my gosh going on tour was so special because I got to see people say it in real life because for my first book I couldn't go on tour because it was the pandemic. So Mm -hmm. everything had to be virtual. And, you know, it's like on a screen, you can't see the readers face to face. So this time around, like people were bringing their copies of both my books, of their arts and saying how much they love my books. And it was really special. Yeah, it was special. Like that's part of the whole experience, though, right? And something that you might expect to get you know, maybe and something that in your first round, it was very different. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I hope so. Because like, I really wanted people to be able to connect to my characters and like be able to relate and and they did. And that just feels so, so special to be able to connect with readers in that way. Um, You were talking about how hard it was to write the second book and I also know that you were talking about being a musician and I wondered do you kind of lean into different areas of your creativity when you're struggling with one and how you move through the motions of supporting yourself and your mind and your art oh absolutely like uh, particularly with wild blood because there's songs in the book they're actual songs that like they're in the they're safe with copyright so in the public domain so I'm not going to get in trouble but like they're actual songs from the 1800s and such that I wanted to put like songs that he would actually sing in that time period. And so in my free time, I arranged the songs with sheet music and chord charts. So somewhere on my computer, there is a songbook that is wild blood based. So, so cool. uh, I mean, maybe the world will get to see it someday. Like it's pretty, it's, like I kept it pretty simple. I was like, you know, if anybody ever sees this, they're going to be like, oh, she's uh, very remedial when it comes to music. I'm like, no, I want everybody <laughs> to be able to play it. I want every, 
everybody to be able to play it. You know, maybe in the future we'll get to see that. But yeah, I play violin. So, and it's weird because violin used to be my job. Like I used to play what? for music, like in pit orchestras and for weddings and stuff. And now it's kind of switched. Like violin is my hobby and writing is my job. So it's crazy how that works. Yeah, I actually have a question based on that. What is it like then to be going? Because I mean, obviously now violin's your hobby. It's hard to call, you know, um, I'm not published right now. And it's hard to call writing a hobby. Although like I think maybe some people would probably call it a hobby, although it's just like an all-consuming, soul-burning sort of situation. But what's it like? (laughs) (laughs) But like, what's it like for you then now kind of like doing the switch? Um, well, it's nice because before I had to, you know, practice more and actually do like gigs and stuff and like fit writing in when I could. Because So like I had a day job too. And like, I would use my Google Docs and like speak and like it was a a desk job, like receptionist. So I would like write my book at the desk when nobody was looking, like because my desk faced the perfect way so that no one could see my screen, you know? You're a genius. Like genius. Yes, I would be sitting there (laughs) writing my book on Google Docs, like, "Mm, I'm going (laughs) to call these patients, but you know, I'm going to get this done. You're going to live the story life. I fully support (laughs) this. Yeah, so like, it was very different in that I had to get writing done when I could get it done, you know what I'm saying? And now it's like, I can write anytime I want, which is nice. Except the muse only calls between 1 and 3am. So those are my like golden spots. So when I'm on deadline, I have to write at night. But otherwise, anytime I want. So it's nice. So you write between 1am and 3am, like as that's where it is for you? Well, really only when I'm on deadline if I you know because that's my like golden witching hour moment (laughs) yeah the muse is just like yes all these ideas it's brilliant (laughs) um so but it's like you know bad for your health apparently if you don't get sleep so really like Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta be like up during the day I guess so yeah I try to only do it when I'm on deadline it's like I wish you know, maybe I should be nocturnal. Maybe I should just switch switch it up. I mean, you actually, I feel like you could. And if you do, I want you to like kind of record your, your journey. Be very curious to see what that, that transition's I, like. I actually think I might go crazy if I do that. Because <laughs> you know, from living in Virginia, things don't stay open very late. Like there's yeah. not a whole lot going on as far as nightlife goes in Virginia so uh it's like Mayberry out here so <laughs> you'd have to you move know, <laughs> I would have to move for that yeah things close promptly at eight yeah I get most of my great writing done at one to three and then of course I have to clean it up the next day when I'm sane you know when I'm mm. in my right mind I'm like what? what is this and then I have to clean it up but it's like the ideas are there you know is it kind of like the right drunk edit sober thing and you're just so like so tired that you're almost drunk you know what I'm not tired though at that time it's oh my gosh I was which is on that's the crazy part it's like my brain like does a little switch and it's like oh I'm up and ready for Mm. this you know so I I know I I get it though because I do that too like I'm awake in the night and it's very inconvenient Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
Oh, it's awful. Life. Like, it's awful. And then you can't get the sleep after. Yeah. yeah. You're just like, your, your brain is just on for this time. And it's a weird kind of like hyper focus, mm-hmm. which, yeah. But now that I, when I did have a day job, it was pretty, pretty bad. Yeah, I got up today to squeeze in my writing time. I got up because I've been, I'm fast drafting a thing right now. And I got up at 4 a.m. Because I, my, my hours are in the morning, but specifically after sleeping, like I have to sleep and then I wake up and I can do things. And then just before this, I, I had to take a power nap because I was like, yo. <laughs> look, look, that 4 a.m. in the morning club. But what is it called? The 5 a.m. club or something? Like 5 a.m. writers could club. ride up there. But that's like the most peaceful time to be sleeping. Yeah. See, that's that's my that's my prime time. I love it. I love it when there's like no one around. You know what I mean? And that's night, Courtney. That's night. Or really early in the morning, depending on or, your perspective. Technically night. I would be sleeping. There we go. Mm. What would you say then, Lauren, is your favorite part of the story process? Oh man, the character the characters and their relationships with each other. Like character relationships are my favorite thing to write ever. And so my agent always has to get on me like, you need more plot because it's like basically (laughs) characters like having relationships and like talking and bantering. And it's like, okay, I guess I got to put some plot in here now. But (laughs) yeah, that's my favorite. Like romance and family relationships are like my favorite thing ever to write. I mean, I think we just have to like have a moment of appreciation for the banter in your books though, because it's fantastic like top-notch brilliant I love it I don't know how much of that comes like in the early drafts or it comes later on when you have to layer things in is that like do you go back in and add it or is that something that just flows with the inspiration as you're as you're drafting it comes pretty early but it's like it depends on how quickly I get to know the characters so uh when I get to know the characters then their chemistry starts flowing and then the banter is better like I can write banter but it's okay uh this is not necessarily like Magnus banter is very specific this is just so quirky and like you know so I can't put like Magnus banter with Jember you know because he's very different than Magnus too so I can write banter without knowing the characters but I'm like gotta be specific to them and after that I get to know them then it's like oh the chemistry's flowing yes usually the first halfway through the first draft maybe I'll really get to know the characters when I'm first writing I'm just like okay let's get the story down let's get to the good stuff but then after that we're sailing now how long does it usually take you then to turn around a draft oh boy how long does it take me or like how long is my deadline like because if it's my deadline I'll get it to you it might not be great but I'll get in it an to ideal you. world <laughs> you know um I guess it really does depend man that's a good question I guess a few months like three months I can get a, a draft I'm happy with and then from there I revise but like it's been the deadlines have been crazy so I've been having to do like two month things and I'm just like I'm not happy with this but like you got to do what you got to do the revision takes longer versus when I'm on my own time the first draft is a little cleaner so then the revision is just like adding stuff versus like changing what I have do you have any I'm gonna ask do you have any secrets can that you can tell us but are there any like 
heavily veiled comments that you can make that will not get you in trouble that we can have? Uh, I mean, it depends on what time, like when people will listen to this. Uh, but this is season two, yeah. So it's gonna be third week of April. We start. Oh. So if you would like it that early, or you would like it later, you can mm-hmm. let well, us know. Look, they better have it by then, or else it's uh, <laughs> gonna be problems. No, I don't know, but I'm sure they'll <laughs> announce it by then. Uh, that uh, I do have another book coming out, and I can't talk about super details but it's gonna be historical gothic sort of thing more adventure fantasy than anything and there's gonna be vampires yeah so i don't think i can say any more than that but yeah it's gonna be great i'm excited i have no doubts that it's gonna be great (laughs) vampires ugh i've i've been in like i guess like I don't know, like, I feel like there's a vampire renaissance. Vampires probably in the I renaissance, mean, but also, like... People are saying that, but look, I've never fallen out of love with vampires. They've always, like, if you read if you read YA and also adult books, you've never, they've never gone out of style in adult books, so like, I've always, like, if you read adult romance, I guess, I have always read vampires, and like, the fact that they're coming back now, I'm like, finally, I get to write one, and they Good. get, you know, I'm benefiting from this because I'm like, I've been wanting to write vampires and now they're finally back, quote, <laughs> and now... <laughs> oh no, the real fans knew it, they so... never left. <laughs> uh, there's an anthology called Vampires Never Get Old and I love mm-hmm. that title, <laughs> but it's true, right? <laughs> In my opinion, yeah, they, they, they never went out of style for me. I'm like, I've always been a vampire stan. Vampire Diaries. Yes? No? I I never really got into it, into it. Lauren. No, okay, no, I get this. I, I, I watch this to make fun of, like, certain scenes. And so, like, because the spoofs are the best. It's and the Twilight so spoof, fun. Like, if you watch the movie and then you watch the spoofs afterwards, then, like, they're hilarious. But, okay, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. I can do that with Twilight, but not Vampire Diaries. Like, I can get the spoofs with Twilight, you know? Mm. Um. By the way, uh, my vampire book is a little bit inspired by Twilight. So there. Oh <laughs> That's all I'll say. my gosh. <laughs> I was like, let me just do this vampire human romance right now and throw in some Twilight vibes. And I'm not going to say any more, but it's going to be great. Oh my gosh, I want you to say more though, Lauren. Um, well, I'm glad you said that part because I was going to ask you, I was like, oh, all the romance in your books is always consistently delicious. And I was like, can we as readers always expect that from you? And so I'm glad you you dropped in the little like vampire Oh, I love there. romance. Like I can't write a book without romance. Mm-hmm. It's really hard for me. So this one actually is a new type of romance for me the one I'm working on now is like friends to lovers and I'm like mm. I've never done that before so that's a whole other thing that I don't know if I'll do again but uh it's fun um <laughs> so yeah it, it's not a Lauren Blackwood book unless there's a lot of dramatic simping happening you know it's perfect <laughs> <laughs>
I love that. Well, and it does sound too, like you put a lot of thought into what your readers are going to pick up because you, like you talked about kind of building a brand. So that's really about setting expectations, right? So it sounds like, you know, dramatic semping, gothic vibes, some retelling-ish vibes, historical-ish vibes, all those things, beautiful covers, you know, all that. And well, the beautiful covers I have nothing to do with, but, but it's part it's of your brand. They can't not give anyway. you one, right? They better not give me an ugly one. <laughs> I'm suing. <laughs> like, I I love my covers. They are the best. But yeah, I, I always do say that my brand is like blood kissing and monsters. Like, you're always gonna have those three, even if you don't have any of the other stuff. But yeah, my covers are To Die For Gorgeous, and um, Carrie Resnick did the design for both of them, and she's a genius, and please do my next book, Carrie, yay! <laughs> yeah, Carrie, do her next book! <laughs> <laughs> Gabby, you have talked about so many things. Do you have some I other know. questions here? I do. Um, you mentioned earlier that Victoria was one of your favorite characters to write, and I'm curious, what was your favorite character arc to write? was it is it was it something that that was kind of more challenging to you more enjoyable what is the thing that sets you on fire when you're when you're writing a character oh my gosh my favorite character arc wow that's tricky because like I do love villain stuff but I like more when the hero is struggling with bad thoughts um I feel like in a way that's a little more compelling because the villain's evil so we we know why they're bad but not that I don't love like a villain who's a sad child. It's like so pathetic that you just want to squeeze them. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's my brand of villain. I love those. But, a fixer upper. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes. But the fixer upper, that's never going to be fixed. Look, that's what I like. That's, that's I think my that's jam the appeal the of the villain though, is like the villain is the ultimate fixer upper. At least like I was thinking about this today, literally, but anyway, go on. But the floor is rotted, so you got to replace it completely, and it's not going to happen. But yeah, I love heroes who like are struggling with not being good. Like they want what's good, but they're like sick of the bad guy being bad, and uh, it kind of takes them over the edge a little bit. Oh, I guess I better not give spoilers. But you know, Victoria, like she's been practically enslaved her whole life, and like. She gets bullied all the time and like she's like forced to lead these tourists through the jungle. She's been doing it for like 12 years and she's just over it. She's like, I want to be a tour leader. And the boss is not letting her be a tour leader because he's like, oh, you're you're a little girl and you're shy. And the clients don't want to see that. They want to see like men who know what they're talking about. And she's like, wait a second. I do know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about more than all these other people. So it's like she's had enough. So, yeah, I love heroes who are like, I've had it. And if you need me to go full villain, I will go full villain, you know? But I with their that. morals. So it's not full villain. It's borderline full villain. So, like, they keep their morals a little bit. But it's like, or maybe they don't. But they're on the right side of the tracks. And so uh, it doesn't really matter. Like, their, their stance is the right one. So they can lose their morals a little and it doesn't matter. 
I think that it you're bringing up something that's just so interesting to me because I I do feel like something that's so compelling about a character like a hero that has to make difficult decisions that people might see as villainous that's so relatable I think because I I think we all have that you know if we've been hurt I think that you know sometimes it makes sense it's like well I have to do this thing the world is the villain right mm-hmm. you know and I think that's just a very important point about it because otherwise it's like you know the way you talk about your characters is they're so real to you because they truly are real people because we all could be the villain right but it's really the world that I the world we're up against because <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah Victoria could easily be the villain if, if she wanted to go in that direction and thank god everyone should be praising god that she doesn't want to because she could murder everybody if she wanted to but uh, she's not about that light. So they're lucky. And character always gives us such a good lens into like the human disposition and exploring the choices that we make, how we're kind of sitting in different circumstances, different exposure to so many, you know, same people, same exposure to different things and how we all turn out differently by the choices that we make and how sometimes our actions can be villainous, but our motivations are not. And those characters for me are always the best to read because they feel like the ones where we can, we could easily be put in that same situation, even if the story itself is not something that could happen in the real world and still feel like we can resonate with the characters themselves. Yes, that's literally the whole point of the arc with Victoria and her ex, Dean. Like, they're literally that. Like, they were raised, they were both six years old when they were kidnapped and they were raised together in the same environment. And yet they turned out so different and their belief system is so different from the other. So, yeah, I kind of wanted to showcase that. So one of the things that I I wanted to ask you about was when I read your words, I think what resonates with me, aside from there's so many things like your prose is one of the things that I really love. And I find it I find it just gorgeous and captivating. And I was curious what other authors or storytellers are sources of inspiration for you. Oh, wow. Um, well, okay. I love uh, Lainey Taylor, especially uh, Daughter of Smoking Bones. Like that book specifically, but the whole series, like one of my favorite series of all time. And then I love um, An Enchantment of Ravens. But I think what really inspired me was Hawk Song by Amelia Atwater Rhodes. Um, yes. It, I'm so glad I don't have to explain it to you because I'm like, this is. <laughs> The ultimate book, like the <laughs> ultimate enemies to lovers, marriage of convenience, angst. That it, series it, installed buttons in my soul. And I'm just, I, I remember, and what's crazy about that is she was like very young when she wrote and published it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, she was. Her first book, she was like 13 yeah. when she wrote it. Um, So yeah, she was pretty young. It was like 19 or 20 for this book I think and it like just captured my my youthful soul when I read it I was like I read it in maybe middle school and it's been my favorite book since then so it's like the vibes I've always wanted to capture those vibes in my writing so that's why everything is you know I write is melodramatic and I'm like that's how it's gonna be because I got a copy hawk song I love that I (laughs) I haven't thought about that series in so long and now I'm like oh my gosh I need to go read that a reread yeah Yeah. we should buddy read it (laughs) 
<laughs> and live tweet live tweet yes yes oh my gosh <laughs> Yeah, I I mean, I remember, that's so funny, because I actually remember, I too read it in middle school, and um, I remember writing some stuff inspired by it, like, in middle school, and I, I'm so curious now that you've brought it up, I'm like, what is, sometimes we, we talk about this, like, what's the secret sauce? Like, I, I'm gonna go back and read it and see what happens. Hawk song is in itself is the secret sauce that we all need in our books. Like, and I've been writing like a fanfic of it forever. And like, I almost got it right. I think like a fanfic that I'm going to actually make into an actual novel. It'll be different enough that, but it's like, I will proudly say, Hey, this is talk song fanfics. It just, (laughs) if you like this, (laughs) you like this. Well, I can't wait for that book. Be very cool. Me neither. I need to get it together and finish yeah, it. Yeah, do it. <laughs> I clearly need to get onto reading this because I have not read it. <laughs> Courtney's giving me the stink eye. She's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, um, I don't know. Like, it's just interesting that it really got like because again, because uh, you you got read it in middle school too. So there, I, I don't know. There's some stuff about books I read when I was in middle school that they're really like I I said like installed buttons but they're like there's a few and I don't know maybe it's that age too um but there's a you define for the non-americans what middle school is oh oh yes yes i.e for me (laughs) high school Uh, um it's like uh when you're how old are you in middle school it's like between 12 and it's like 11 12 to 14 ish 11 so it's 12, like upper middle 13. grade no yeah like bridging yeah. middle grade and mm-hmm. lower ya like that in between yes, space yes, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah this is so exciting that gabby had to ask about like a word from me the american because gabby's always like <laughs> yeah i pack these courgettes and i'm like <laughs> you're never gonna let the courgettes go <laughs> and it's a zucchini <laughs> Oh wow! I know. And she's always like, "This is Celsius," and I'm just like, "That means nothing to me." Like, (laughs) I mean, like, I wish America had like joined the world in a few things, like the measuring mostly, because I don't get the measuring. I always have to Google and convert, and you know, that's not our fault. That's the government. (laughs) True. (laughs) Blame the schools. I'm getting oh crazy now. Look, I le- I learned something today. So I like that. That's good Off for you. It's good for us. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, All I right. think middle school is where you truly like shape what tropes you're into and stuff, and it kind of like grows from there. Totally. Like Sailor Moon. I don't care how many issues there are with it. Oh. I I can't well, help it. <laughs> it was Yu Yu Hakusho for me. Yu Yu mm-hmm. Hakusho. So yep. I'm gonna have to make notes and go back and read these. We're leaving Gabby out. I I know. Gabby, (laughs) watch an anime. (laughs) (laughs) I will. All right. Do we uh, Connie, did you have anything you wanted to ask or should we jump into No, just just our most favorite questions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) So we're (laughs) we love these questions. Um we asked you what your story beast was. Did you want to read that, Courtney, or do you want me to read it? Uh, you read it. We've already decided your voice is melodious and lovely and perfect. <laughs> All right. 
Um, okay, so you said, um, I think my story beast would be a forest elemental. They mind their own business, probably doing important work, but behind the scenes where no one else can see. They're very solitary creatures until they are forced out into the public by people suddenly recognizing them for what they are. I love that. Can you give us some insight into your story beast? Basically, just an introvert life. <laughs> I do kind of like doing things by myself, I guess. Um, yeah, so writing is sort of that way that you're sort of like doing this thing unless you're like people on tiktok and stuff you know like talk about their thing on a daily basis but when you're not doing that sort of thing Mm -hmm. you're kind of just by yourself writing like when i'm on deadline i don't really like to talk about it in public i kind of just like to stay to myself until it's a need to know basis basically Mm mm-hmm I feel I like we, we got let into the need to know circle, though, with some of these details. I'm very excited. I did spill some details, and I really hope that, like, it gets announced before this. <laughs> <is bubbling. laughs> we will wait. We've got, we, can, we can juggle things a little bit mm-hmm. if we have to. So. Cool, cool. Because they're, they're, you know, writing it up right now, getting ready for it. But, like, I don't know when that's going to be. So I'm so excited. We've been having an announcement. In two years, three years. So yeah, I'm excited. It's hard and trad. Everything is like it has its own timeline and mm-hmm. all this waiting in between. Oh, publishing takes forever. <laughs> I tell you, it does. It's worth the wait, but it does take forever. All right. So, what is your favorite snack? Oh my gosh, my favorite snack. Um, it changed. It used to be popcorn. Mm-hmm. But I don't like those little kernel things, so they're driving me crazy. So <laughs> okay, now they're on the outs. They're out. So now it's kettle corn. Um, mm-hmm. No, not kettle cooked chips. So like the really crispy mm-hmm. chips. Mm-hmm. And Pepsi combined those. Mm-hmm. Okay, what's okay. your favorite kettle chip flavor? Um, I just like the plain one. I've tried the other ones, and I'm like, this is really taking away the, from the experience of the crunch because the crunch is like. <laughs> okay you're a very texture oriented person I like that okay Okay, Lauren (laughs) by now I feel comfortable asking you this how do you feel about the folded chips you know like when the ones that are folded in the bag oh those are the best ones yeah oh there we go okay I would fight for I call it the double crunch like they're like you know it's like they're folded and oh my gosh the best one I eat those first and like if especially if I'm sharing with someone like I will only go for those because I'm like, yeah, I don't too. want anybody to take them all, you know? <laughs> so, I, I, so we all have this in common. <laughs> yeah. So we all need separate bags. That's what I'm hearing. Oh, yeah, for sure. To prevent violence. <laughs> for real. I'm not like, going to get violent about it, but you know, I'm going to be I sad. Would. <laughs> <laughs> I would be a villain for those chips. <laughs> okay. But wait a minute. Before, before we go though, I have to know, because you mentioned tiramisu in, um, your blurb at the beginning and so yes. like what is your ma- your magic uh little twist on tiramisu Do you oh have- gosh magic twist i mean like i think the best ones always have rum in them a little bit of rum mm. so like some people put like that coffee liqueur which is fine but like i think <laughs> rum which is fine <laughs> A little sparkle. It's not fun. A little sparkle. <laughs> I mean, it's fun. Like, I'll go for it. Like, if that's all they have, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but like you gotta have that little sparkle in it you know yeah it's like it's like you eat the chips if they're not folded but you know it's not the right. same right I'll eat them I won't waste the bag of chips but you know yeah but you'd fight for a sparkle because I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh well I love this Lauren this has been amazing Oh, thank you for having me. Yes, this has been so much fun.